0: Good morning to each one this morning. Uh, it's good to see so many of you here today. I didn't know if a lot of you would still be traveling because of the holidays or, or what, but it's good to see all of you here. I, uh, <clears throat> we've already heard quite a bit about Thanksgiving, and I was uh, thinking along some of the same lines here this morning for a message. In fact, I entitled the message, The Sin of Unthankfulness. And uh, so we we have come through another time that we another holiday that we call Thanksgiving. I'm not sure what all comes to your mind when you think of that. You know, a lot of people think of uh, the food, the um, the turkey and the mashed potatoes and gravy and the sweet potatoes and the cram- cranberries and whatever else might go along with it. Uh, here in America, we go back a lot to the um, Thought of the pilgrims that had crossed the ocean, and uh, found this land that was not very hospitable. Many of them died that first winter. The next summer, they grew crops for the, um, so they'd have food for the coming winter. And there was a, a thankfulness for this, and they and they had a time of Thanksgiving. So then I had to think too. You know, there's a lot of other. Uh, cultures and places where there are times of of thanksgiving i it 's been interesting to me just to to see some of those things, <clears throat> Some of those places like in um, Ukraine, read there how that they have their their harvest um, their harvest services and so on um, but this morning, I would like to take our minds to what I think is probably the greatest Thanksgiving celebration that there has ever been. And I don't read anything about a turkey. I don't read anything about sweet potatoes. In fact, I really don't even read anything about food. And uh, so maybe you're wondering what, what I think that is. Well, let's go back about 35 centuries ago. To the, to the land of Egypt. And there we find in the land of Egypt a people that were enslaved. About uh, 400 years before that, their ancestors had come there because of famine. And they lived there, and they worked there, and they became slaves of the Egyptian people. And you, you, know, that, you know that story. So if if you don't mind let's let our imagination run just a little bit here this morning. And um think just a little bit how that might have been. And so let's let's have a um I don't know maybe it would be better if we had if we put a name to it let's say that there was a father by the name of Eli and he had a Son that was almost 12 years old by the name of Simeon. I'm not sure. I haven't quite figured out what the mother's name was, but that's all right. Um, But anyhow, after a hard day of of labor, of making bricks and doing what Pharaoh wanted him to do with taskmasters watching over them, he came home. And you know, there's a, a blessing of coming at home at the end of a hard day. And finding their love and companionship and usually food. And so after this hard day, we find this family sitting down. And there was a, there was a fire there. And there was a, a pot boiling with meat in it. Probably, probably lamb. Might have been fish. <clears throat> the mother in the home knew how to fix a good cucumber salad. She took some cucumbers and some onions and made a good salad. And as they were eating there, somebody sliced a nice slice of of melon, they had a, and it, and it was it was fairly peaceful and 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 somewhat joyous as that as that family was there. And so. Yet the overriding thought was we are not free. We're slaves. Um, and not only that, a number of years before, Pharaoh had made the decree that all the the male children should be thrown into the river and, and destroyed. Not quite sure how that impacted this particular family, because they they had a boy there that was uh coming up on to teenage years. <clears throat> and so, even though the, the evening was peaceful enough, even though there was a sense of pleasantness about it, and even though they enjoyed adequate food and very tasty food, yet there was the overriding realization that they were trapped. They were trapped. There was nothing that, that they could do to get out of it. They were enslaved. They had no no way to better their lot in life. And day after day, the uh, Simeon had gone out and, and worked for Pharaoh. He'd come home hot and tired and exhausted. And the next day would be the same, and the next day would be the same. And there was no hope for anything other than the way life was then. And often they would dream of what life could be if they could just be free from the tyranny of the rulers of Egypt and the overlords that made life visible. And as they sat there that evening, they were, they were made aware again of the futility of even thinking of freedom as the, as the chariots of Pharaoh went up and down the streets. And there were, there were uh, horses that, uh, that were snorting around, I guess you and, you know, if anyone tried to get away, there'd be a horse or a chariot or someone to go after them. The, the pawing and the snorting of the horses made sure that no one could escape slavery. But they knew nothing different. This was the way father had lived. This is the way grandfather had lived. This is the way grand, great grandfather had lived. And so any mention of freedom was squelched. There was no hope. A couple evenings later, as they also, as they sat down, and I suppose maybe this time they, they had fish. I'm not quite sure where the fish came from. Probably from the, maybe from the Nile there. I'm not sure. And Father said, you know, there's, I want to tell you something. There's an old shepherd has come, and he said that the God of our fathers has sent him to lead us out of this slavery into the land that's been promised to the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this brought hope to their hopelessness. Is it possible Has the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob remembered them in their reflection? Is there a way to escape the tyranny of the Egyptians? Well, you know the story how that this man Moses began to ask Pharaoh for the release of his people. I was reading that again and again and again. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, they can't go. I won't give them up. Pharaoh's heart became hardened. <clears throat> and as he, he said, that the people have too much time. They're lazy. They make them do more work if they think they can get out of here. And life became unbearable to the Israelites. They complained to Moses. That since he came, their lot in life had grown increasingly more difficult. <clears throat> and so we have the, the ten plagues that, that were brought to Egypt because of Pharaoh's unwillingness to let them go. I'm not sure how much time that all took, uh, but there was certainly some time involved there. And as time went on, their, their lot in life became, uh, it became increasingly difficult. <clears throat> Finally, the time come when God had said He was going to deliver His people. And he, he gave Moses instruction that every house should take a lamb and prepare it and take the blood from that lamb and put it on the posts of their door and over the lentil. And He said that when there's a death angel that's going to come, when that death angel sees that blood, he will pass over that. And this, will, this feast will be known as the Passover. That was their salvation. Now the Egyptians, they were not told this. Or at least I, I don't think they were. If they did, they didn't pay attention to it. And they did not apply that blood. And we know that when the death angel went through the land that night, All the firstborn, whether it was of the king or whether it was of of some obscure maiden, the firstborn were killed, lost their lives. And as our family that we talked about as they were eating the lamb that they had prepared. In the distance they could hear the wails. Of the Egyptians. As one after another discovered that there was death in their homes. And finally they, the, the time had come. And Pharaoh said, get out of here. We, we don't want you here anymore. Just go. His son was his oldest son. lay there dead. And so we know how that they picked up and how they went. A whole multitude of them. I don't know what all their feelings were, what all their thoughts were, as they left behind this land of slavery. Left behind everything that they had. Or basically everything they had. They, they took a number of things along. But you know, after they were gone, Pharaoh thought, why did I do this? Why did I let them go? And he got his, his uh, men together, his soldiers, his horses, and his chariots, And he said, We're gonna go back, we're gonna go get them. And they they took off following Israel and they caught up with them. And they were intent on taking them back to Egypt. And I'm not quite sure just how that all that geography is, but somehow or another the Israelites were entrapped. Before them was a sea. Behind them was Pharaoh and his army coming after them. What can they do? Well, God put a cloud between them. And it was dark on the side of the Egyptians and it was light on the side of the Israelites. And there was, God sent a, a great wind and blew, and the water... Uh, came up on, in a heap and the wind blew all that night and there was dry land that the Israelites could cross over. And so they crossed over to the other side. Well, about the time they got across, that, that cloud lifted and Pharaoh and his army could see the way through. They were going to go after the children of Israel. They were going to bring them back and put them back into bondage again. And so they go, they head across. Somehow or another, the water, I guess, began to start seeping back in because those chariot wheels got mired down in the muck and the, and the, yeah, the mire and started coming off and the horses were floundering around. And pretty soon that water just came down on them. Can you imagine what it was like for the Israelites to stand on the shore and walk along that shore and there they see pieces of chariots. They see wheels. They see horses. They see dead soldiers. And maybe even... You know, maybe the man there walking along said, well, there's that... Cruel taskmaster. Look, he's no longer living. I won't have to worry about him anymore. All right, you can turn with me to Exodus 15. But before we read this, I'd like to just point out briefly the symbolism of all this that was going on. The types. Egypt is a type of sin. And sin had complete control. Sin does have complete control over man and is a cruel taskmaster. And Pharaoh is a type of Satan with evil intent to keep everyone enslaved. And the blood of the Lamb applied to the doorpost is a type of Jesus, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the whole world and sets us free from the bondage of Satan and from sin. So we have that type as we, as we think about that. Now can you imagine what it must have been like for these people who had been enslaved all their lives to be standing on the shore of the Red Sea. And their enemies are completely obliterated. And there, there is no sign of bondage anymore. In Exodus 15, verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord... For he hath triumphed gloriously; the horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. Now maybe I'm wrong, but I really wonder if there has ever been a Thanksgiving day as as great as that. To think of the bondage, to think how they had uh, there was no there was no enemy anymore. They were free. They were free to go. They were free to head head to the Promised Land. I think I'm going to read this. Here, just take the time to read this song. And um, maybe I'll mention this now and a little bit later. I I don't know what your thinking is in Revelation where it talks about the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Now, is this the song of Moses? I tend to think it is. And it's a song of deliverance. It's a song of, of no longer being enslaved by Satan and no longer... Under the power of sin. All right, I'm going to read the first uh, 21 verses here. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, "I will sing unto the Lord, for He hath triumphed gloriously. (coughs) The horse and his rider hath He thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song." And He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare Him in habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath He cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them, and they sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy." And in the greatness of Thine excellency, Thou hast overthrown them that rose up against Thee. Thou sendest forth Thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of Thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will defy the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, and my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength under thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestinia. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as as a stone till the people pass over. O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord, shall, <coughs> the Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider, hath he thrown into the sea. And so this passage talks about the salvation that was wrought. Uh, verses 6 and 7, O oh God, you, You're powerful. And there's nothing remaining of our, of our enemies. Verse 10, The enemy's evil intent was, was thwarted. Uh, verse 11, who is like thee, glorious in holiness, and so on. <clears throat> and um can you imagine, in your mind's eye, can you imagine that great song being sung there, reverberating off the mountains to the sides. And then the women, they took up the, the refrain, and they, they also sang, Now, if you still have your Bibles open to Exodus 15, now we're going to get just a little bit into what Brother Leland had talked about there of the children of Israel. We see here um, in verse 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, you know, not having any water is, is not pleasant, but they complained, and they were. Um, I think they, there was a problem with unbelief, but there was also a problem with unthankfulness. And then we could go into the next chapter, and they and they went to um, <clears throat> into the wilderness of sin, and they complained for lack of bread. I'll read the first. Uh, Four verses there. And they took their journey from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, <coughs> Excuse me. Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the fleshpots, when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And here they were looking back to the day when they were, they were slaves or when they had no, no chance of being um, freed. They said, "Yo, those days were good. You know, we, we sat by the, the pots of, of meat. We had vegetables. We had fruit. We had, we had those things to eat. Now, if you want to turn with me to Psalm 78, and I, uh, I'm not going to take the time to go through this whole psalm, it's, it's interesting. But we have here kind of a, a recap of, of what happened. And I'm going to begin reading at verse uh, 10 and read through verse 17 of Psalm 78. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through and he made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness. And gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused the waters to run down like rivers. And then notice the next phrase. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And that's why I would entitle the message this morning The Sin of Unthankfulness. They sinned yet more. God did so many things for him. He brought them through the sea. He delivered them. they had a great thanksgiving uh <clears throat> service there, and they sang the song of Moses, and yet they complain, and yet they they it says here they they sinned more well then going on uh verse thirty two it, it talks about how God gave them flesh to eat, how He gave them uh quail, and so on. Verse 32 says, For all this they sinned still and believed not for His wondrous works. <clears throat> and so there was unthankfulness. There was unbelief. And that and that's what had taken place. After all that God had done for them, after that great Thanksgiving day on the shores of the Red Sea, after that great deliverance, yet their heart turned back. They desired the good things that they had left behind, the leeks and the garlic and the cucumbers and the melons and all that. Uh, In Numbers 11.5 it says, We remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Now we would never be that unthankful, would we? After such a great deliverance. But you know, we have also experienced <coughs> this same deliverance. We had been in the, in the clutches of Satan, in, in, the, uh, in slavery to, to sin, to our sinful self. And then how God so graciously gave His Son to die for our sins. And His blood was shed for us. And he brought us out of Egypt into the into the, a land of freedom and a land of plenty, and our lives and bodies were changed. And then to turn around and be ungrateful, to turn around and complain, and to say what say everything that, that's wrong. You know, sure. There's as we think back. To what things were like before we were born again, there's some things that are pleasant. There, there were things that, uh, you know, we, we were used to. We left the flesh pots and the fish and the cucumbers and, and, uh, maybe in some ways life's battles are more intense now as they were then. But you know, I have to think about it how some of our complaints are so, so minor compared to what we've been saved from. You know, we, we can be unhappy at the way the church operates. We can have a hard time appreciating a certain brother or sister in the church and just wish they would go on and do their own thing and leave me alone. We can pick and we can be disgruntled at things of little consequence. Especially in the light of the great salvation that has been wrought on our behalf. Or we can think about our material blessings. And we have so, we have so many. So much good food. So many, uh, um, you know, we have warm places to be in the, in the time of cold and, and various things. Uh, we can think of our of our health, and maybe complain about that, or complain about the weather, or whatever it might be. You know, I, I think we just need to face, face it. Our natural tendency is to be unthankful. Now, I'd like to read the first part of First uh, Corinthians ten. First Corinthians ten, Paul in writing to the Corinthians, he goes back and recounts what had happened there at the Red Sea, and how the children of Israel murmured and complained. First Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell on one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ. As some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these ha- things happened to them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that standeth, or let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. So the apostle Paul is saying that these things that happened to Israel are for our understanding; they're for us to. To see what what took place and to and to um, <clears throat> take heed, now I'm going to uh, go to Second Timothy, chapter three, and there's a whole list of terrible things listed that sinners are guilty of, and uh, one of them is unthankful. I'm going to read the first two verses. There, there's more here. <clears throat> know this also, that in the last days perilous time shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Now, someone that's a lover of their own selves, uh, that's the opposite of loving the other person, the opposite of Christian charity. Covetousness is wanting more. Never satisfied. Boasters. Taking glory to self. Blasphemers. Not only take credit to themselves, but but uh, they revile the one who gives all. And then unthankfulness. It seems to me unthankfulness is a culmination of all those. Of being covetous and loving self and being boastful and being a blasphemer. That turns us into someone that is unthankful. Unthankful. <coughs> um, in First Timothy 5:18, it says, "In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." I'm impressed again with the thought of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and his will is that we should be thankful." So maybe we could bring this down to, to daily living a little bit. Um, you know, husbands and wives, are we, are we thankful for our spouse? Um, you know some some wives have husbands that stumble at home at night that are drunk or whatever it might be. I think you know if we have godly spouses, we should be thankful, and for children uh, we should be thankful for the children God has given us, and the children should be thankful for parents that God has given them that 's not saying that everything is perfect, but we should be thankful but you know it's it 's so easy to have a heart filled with ingratitude. But that's not God's will for us. His will is that in everything we should give thanks. And especially, I think especially for the great salvation that has been brought to us by the gift of the sacrifice of His only Son upon the cross of Calvary. And so I believe that there is a great Thanksgiving Day coming. I mentioned that a little bit. The, I don't know what your thinking is. I'm going to just read. <clears throat> and I don't, I don't understand. I can't decipher all this. But where it talks about the, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. In Revelation 15, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass, mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear Thee, O Lord, and glorify Thy name? For Thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before Thee, for Thy judgments are made manifest. I think that that song of Moses was a song of thanksgiving for deliverance. Is it unreasonable to think that the song of Moses and of the Lamb in heaven will be a song of deliverance. A thankfulness for the deliverance that has been wrought on our behalf. That Satan's forces have been completely defeated. There's no tyranny anymore. No temptation to do evil. Complete victory. Once we reach that place, will there be unthankfulness in our hearts? I don't think so. And so I think today let's let's join with Moses and the Israelites in singing the song of victory over sin and evil, knowing that victory has been assured. We'll call for a closing number in <coughs> song.